0: So, hey, guys, it's Adam of the Dollar Bend For those of you just joining us, which is all of you except for Joel and Ron Friends, <laughs> who <laughs> has been with me for the last few minutes. We have, as I mentioned, a interview or a discussion. I don't know. It's not really an interview. We're just going to kind of talk and have fun. But uh, on the Dollar Bin today, along with myself, is, as I said, Joel. Joel, said hi.
1: Hi, Joel.
0: <laughs> and then uh, on the other side of me is Ron Friends.
2: Hi, guys. Good to be with you again.
0: And, uh... <laughs> so we're just here I guess we're going to we haven't done a Thor movie and um Joel really wanted to get a Thor movie and we figured if we were going to do a Thor movie then who better to get on than uh one of the writers or artists I guess do you, do you consider yourself kind of both do you work with uh with Tom and kind of as a writer artist or do you just consider uh, yourself an
2: artist Tom is very generous with that credit I, okay. I would consider myself uh, when working with the Falco, certainly because he's so open to it, I'd consider myself a co-plotter, sure. But yeah. uh, as far as a writer, you know, I make my suggestions in the liner notes, and sometimes he uses them, and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> so it would be a little too generous to call me a co-writer, but I will take co-plotter.
0: <laughs> and so, uh, just to give a little bit of background on on Ron, uh, Joel, how many, how how long, how long of a run did Ron have?
1: Let's see, if I remember hey, correctly, Ron. Ron, Ron, you Ron's did... S- right
0: here. I'm testing Joel, I'm testing
3: Joel.
1: <laughs> he did a little over seven years with Tom, including the, uh, see, I believe it was issue 400, <laughs> where he redesigned uh, Thor's costume with the, uh, with the armor, because his before. bones were continually getting broken, and... Uh,
0: Ron
2: says
1: you're uh, wrong. Am I wrong, Ron? you talk <laughs>
2: about the Eric Masterson
1: version? Oh, I, yeah! Because I, I thought I remembered he was continually <laughs> no, was Eric
2: getting. The version came way after four hundred.
1: Okay, see, I, I thought I remembered the Egyptian gods and the whole nine and, and all of that. Yeah, was but that set. wasn't part.
2: That wasn't part and parcel of it. I, I, it was. It was an anniversary issue that Eric <laughs> took over. And I don't. I'm really bad with the numbers, but it, it was after four hundred that's okay okay don't worry about it. well it has yeah. been
1: a year or two since i've read it because well, they
2: you're don't ab- trade you're it absolutely right I need about to the fact it. That it being around seven years so, yeah. <laughs> see okay. but
0: that's that's why that's why we have ron on instead of joel because um that's that's, that's the point i was proving there um <laughs> but just uh uh ron so yep. um i don't you i don't know if you remember because i knew you're a busy guy but you know we ran into each other in baltimore Okay. Comic-Con, Baltimore Comic-Con.
2: Uh, Baltimore I, I that was when my hair was falling out, but yes, we did. <laughs> and uh um, I was uh, I was a very stressful uh, stressful weekend.
0: Was it you were at the um the Hero Initiative table signing? I was
2: back and forth between that table and, and supposedly I had my own table and uh, and because it's not an area I do a lot, we were signing a lot of books, so I wasn't getting to my sketches and <laughs> and uh, oh, oh oh it's <laughs> You know, much better than digging ditches in the rain, yeah. believe me. But, yeah, that was a crazy weekend. So if, if we actually discussed something, forgive me if I don't remember it. Well, that's, that's
0: okay. Good. I'm going to get into that anyway. So,
2: <laughs> What did so, I say? No, no,
0: no. So uh, 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 along with a blind sketch, I don't remember. Do you remember doing my blind sketch of Spider-Man?
2: Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Man, that was nuts. Along- I didn't like that at all. <laughs>
0: Well, you did a good job on it. Like, you you went for the webbing. I thought that took balls, man, to go for the webbing on it. That was
2: crazy, man. And it looked like hell. You know it looked like
0: hell. Well, not only did I get that from you, but I also got you to sign my Ron Friends Marvel Creator card.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And uh, you actually had a story that went along with that card. And I was going to tell it on the show, but I was hoping we'd get you on in the near future. So can you mind telling that story about how that card came to be?
2: Eh, it's just the ridiculousness of production and everything. Yeah, they well, they, they, told, they got me involved. I forget how I got involved in the whole thing, but I was contacted about getting involved, and I didn't have any pictures that would have been anywhere near appropriate. So I went out with uh, uh, a buddy of mine, my girlfriend at the time, and her brother, and we came up with some really kind of cool ideas. I mean, I have a Spider-Man costume, so we put one, uh, one of my buddy's arms in, a sp- in the Spider-Man costume, and we made a Thor armband for my girlfriend's brother, and we had a, a hammer that had been made for me by a fan, and we did all these different, some funny, some not, posing things with, you know, Spider-Man's arm and Thor's arm and Ron and the hammer and blah, blah, blah. And the one we sent was a shot of us playing, you know, bat like kids do to see who goes first, where you put your hands on the bat and the guy on top wins. We did kind of that with the hammer, where, you know, you see Spider-Man's arm reaching in holding the hammer, you see Thor's arm reaching in holding the hammer, and my hands up on top of the head of the hammer like I won the game, (laughs) and I'm smiling, and we sent it to them, you know, cropped the way it should be and all that kind of stuff. And (laughs) now, and, and if you remember the card set, a lot of the card set, they just had like floating heads of people that were blown up from bad black and white photos. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: But this one, we sent them a full-color photo that was kind of gimmicky and cool and superhero-related, and they cropped it so it was just my head, and you can see my hand is resting on something, but you can't see what it is. And <laughs> when it, when I saw it, I just... I didn't have the f- number of anybody actually involved in the production, but the the, the <laughs> intermediary that got me involved in the production, I said, what the, what the heck are they thinking? And he could not give me an answer at all. But now every time I sign one of those, I, I die a little bit inside. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that. Adam. So, <laughs> you are welcome. Anyway. That was
0: a great story. I, when you told me that, I, I got a, a huge kick out of that. And um, – and I really want You to like
2: you like when other people are in pain. I Is that th- what you're saying?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he loves
0: it. I didn't really know about the pain until tonight. Now <laughs> you, you've tarnished it. Now, now when I tell the story, I won't laugh as hard.
2: Yeah. No, it, it was it was it was very frustrating. But yeah, we had a f- we had fun out there, and we found a neat alley with brick and stone that made a good <laughs> backdrop and all this kind of jazz, and yeah. had had fun taking some pictures. Uh, some of the outtake pictures are better than the one we sent, like Spider-Man punching me and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it, we tried. We tried to do something cute and clever. Oh, well.
0: Well, I figure between uh, your seven years on Thor and uh, all the trouble you went through to try to get that picture taken, that you are the perfect uh, expert for us to discuss Thor <laughs> with.
2: I will throw into that my man crush on Chris Hemsworth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a huge man crush on Chris Hemsworth. I, 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 I got to tell you guys, uh, just in general about the Thor movies before we get into the specifics of the sequel. Yeah. I never thought when when I was on the book, they did the uh, the Hulk, the Return of the Incredible Hulk TV movie. Yeah. With yeah. Thor on it. Yeah.
0: And, <laughs> yeah. And, and
2: the thing that was funny about that is I didn't mind it. You know, I actually thought I would have watched that show, you know, because it's like a backdoor pilot. I would have watched that show if it had come on the air. Yeah. But the thing was, even then, in that movie, they call him a warrior king, and they stay away from the god stuff, and they stay away from the mythology stuff. Yeah. And I never really thought you would ever see Thor marketed like to kids and all this kind of stuff, because you know when, when, at the end of the day, he's a pagan god. <laughs> so I, I never really thought this would necessarily happen. And so you know, uh, when DeFalco and I, we, we sat and watched that pilot. We didn't watch it together. But the next day, we were both laughing. He called me the next day when he got into the office, and we were laughing because nobody would make eye contact with us <laughs> about that movie. <laughs> you know, nobody asked him, hey, Tom, what'd you think? Because they would just assume that we would hate it. Yeah. But the actor, Eric Allen Kramer, the actor who played Thor, <laughs> really didn't do a bad job. I mean, the costume was goofy, and it didn't come near close enough to the real Thor. But, you know, it it is what it is, you yeah. know. And because of those TV movies, because I grew up on in that era of the 70s and 80s, I mean, when the first X-Men movie came out, and I saw a picture of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and his hair looked like Wolverine, <laughs> yeah. I'm like holy crap, he looks like Wolverine. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, no, no, you got to understand, I came from the era of the Spider-Man TV series, <laughs> where Jonah Jameson was just an old guy with a white mustache and a bald head, and nobody cared about that kind of stuff. you know. So I-, I lived through the shift where the people making the films and the TV were people that grew up on the Marvel comics. Because yeah. in the 70s, Marvel had only been around for 11 years, you know, 15 years. So the people that were producing television at the time didn't grow up on that stuff. Yeah. It was kid stuff. And when people ask me, you know, what's the main factor that now these movies are being made and, and, and doing so well and everything? And the, and the two main factors are that the, the people that are making them grew up on the comics and have a completely different vibe towards the material and the the second thing is cgi i mean because the development of cgi has made all of this possible yeah i mean did you ever <laughs> did you have you seen um the 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 fantastic four bootleg uh the roger corman fantastic <laughs> four movie
1: that yeah. was only a step up i think from the captain america movies <laughs> that they had
2: it, it was barely that because but that was so early <laughs> in the cgi and they had didn't have a budget or anything. You remember how bad Johnny Storm was in that when he flamed on?
1: The only the only part I really remember it would be uh, Mister Fantastic's hand, which was basically a stick waving. Yeah, they,
2: that was one of the gags they used. They just had his hand on a stick and waving out the top of the. Yeah, it was goofy, <laughs> and you know, but CGI just is is getting better and better exponentially, and it's completely responsible for being able to translate these characters to the screen in the successful way that they've been doing it. I mean, you you could not have done Thor as well as it's being done now. You couldn't have done Asgard. You couldn't have done that scene at the end where they're hanging off the Rainbow Bridge. You couldn't have done any of that as convincingly as they're doing it without the CGI at the level that it is right now. Oh, yeah, You know, just pure and simple. So I, I never thought... I would live to see some of the uh, the success that, uh, that they're having pulling this off. And I think Chris Hemsworth is just incredible casting. Uh, I think Chris Evans has come through like crazy for Captain America. You know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has always been a terrific actor. I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I mean, he's just terrific at that. And, uh, and of course, Chaplin and everything. And he kind of recreated Tony Stark, let's be honest. I mean... If people talk about he was perfectly cast, no, he reinvented the character, and now the character in the books reflects what he did with the character. But Tony wasn't that before Robert Downey Jr. got there. So, uh, you know, but it it is. It's been, the movies make me feel like a kid again. What's being done in the books makes me feel like an old man because I don't enjoy it, and it's too dour, and a lot of talking heads, and all the usual complaints. You know, I mean, the, the decompressed storytelling, all that kind of stuff. But the movies, I'm a big fan of the films. I can't wait for Winter Soldier because the trailers look incredible.
3: Yeah.
2: And, oh, my God, uh, you know, yes. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the films so far. So. And, I, and I also will admit there's been a little bit of a come down after the Avengers. Where do you go after the Avengers? I have an intrinsic issue since the Avengers where, like, Iron Man 3 and Thor 2, as much as I enjoyed them, and we can talk about that a little bit more, but as much as I enjoyed them, I got to admit, it's still a come down from the Avengers, you know.
0: So, Um, do you think with uh, with the Avengers that it's necessary for them to continue doing these uh, solo character movies?
2: uh, Yeah, yeah. Necessity is an interesting (laughs) thing. I mean, people are still going to see them; they're still making money. I think they're, uh, you know, I think they're enjoyable as they're playing in front of me. I, I mean, I have to admit, seeing the Avengers on screen brought out every fanboy fantasy that I've had since I was a kid, you know? So I, there, if you ask me, I think that's a per, almost a perfect movie. I think the pacing is incredible. I think the script's terrific, the whole bit. And, you know, people start talking about, uh, they start picking nits with the Avengers and, I'm, and I just kind of go like, yeah, stop it. You know, come on. <laughs> it's just damn fun. You no,
1: know, I agree with you, Ron. I think the only fanboy fantasy I have left is the sinister six.
2: Well and supposedly if you don't if it's not in the the next Spider-Man movie you're going to get that in the third one.
1: I you know when I get that they can quit making them as far as I'm concerned because I, I got nothing <laughs> else I want to see.
2: <laughs> and, and yet, you know, I haven't seen I'm I'm looking forward to the next one because I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the Rhino and I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Electro and and I actually like the casting. I, I think the kid that's playing Peter Parker uh in the reboot looks more like a Ditko Peter Parker than Tobey Maguire ever did, you know. Oh but, yeah. I'm still, you know, I, you know we're, we're here to talk about Thor, too, but I'm still <laughs> oh, waiting yeah. for my Spider-Man movie. I, I, I'm waiting for a, a Spider-Man movie that's like a cross between the first two reels of Kick-Ass and John Ritter's old hero at large and a little bit of the Sam Raimi. But, you know, I mean, I, I still haven't seen the movie that has the complete vibe of a Spider-Man movie that I'd like to see because uh, it, Spider-Man and I are... You know, we go back a long way and we're real tight, and that's one of those characters that, what's wonderful about comics is it even though it's a visual medium, anybody that reads it is projecting their own stuff onto it, and you can ask nine fans who should play a character, and you're going to get nine different answers. <laughs> so even though yeah. it's visual, there's still room for that all that projection, you know, and I'm that way, if not with other characters, I'm definitely that way with Spider-Man, and you know, Toby Maguire is a terrific actor. Did did I look at him and go, "Well, that's my Peter Parker"? No. In fact, like I said, the new kid came closer to that than Toby Maguire did. Nick Hammond, God love him, I, <laughs> I, I, that was nowhere near my vision of Peter Parker. Actually, I've told this story before. I don't think I told it. Maybe I even told it on your. Did I tell it on the Dollar Bin when we were, when we were talking about Spider Man last time?
0: Uh, we did. talk yeah. we talked about a bunch of stuff. I think we talked Eric, a does, lot about. stuff. my Spider-Man.
2: pick when I was when I first when I was on the Spider-Man book, my pick for Peter Parker was Tom Hanks from Bosom Buddies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't tell that one.
2: I, I thought he would have been terrific. Because I mean, as it's been proven, he's a terrific dramatic actor. He could have played the comedy. And he, if you, at the time, if you looked at his profile, if you looked at, because I was studying a lot of Ditko back then like it did go spider he would have needed a haircut of course but uh i, I thought he would have been great and everybody you know everybody else was picking people like ray liotta which i didn't agree with at all <laughs>
3: and,
2: you know all this kind of shit and i'm going like yeah. oh, come on and, 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 and they were looking at me because i was picking a guy that had comedy talent like you don't need comedy <laughs> talent to play spider-man you know i mean and, and then years later when we were doing spider girl i saw a picture of tom hanks after he had trimmed his beard from uh, castaway and he was standing next to his wife, Rita Wilson, and they looked like a middle-aged Pete and Mary Jane. <laughs> I said, see? We would have been well, for the
1: Well, for the Spider-Girl movie that they'll do someday.
2: Yeah, possibly. I Actually, I was really disappointed when Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire bowed out of the Spider-Man franchise, because I figured one or two more movies, and we probably would have gotten to May. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because cause they would have been sitting there going, well, what are we going to do now? Well, you know, in the comic books, there's this one thing where they have a kid. Well, let's do that then. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, who the hell knows? But then they bowed out and we had to see the origin again. So,
1: you know. I think the gotcha. only comic book movie that's got the origin the way it should be was the uh, Ed Norton Hulk movie. Do it. Three minutes. Get in. Get out. You're done. And really, who does not know how Spider-Man came to be now? There is nobody alive on the rebooting. planet. The middle of Uganda. Everybody knows how Spider-Man came to be. You don't need it. Move on.
2: I think re- rebooting the origin every every three movies is a huge mistake. I, I think it just wears people down, and it screws with your your even your general public's perception of what the origin is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't see a need for that either. I completely agree with you. Well, anyway. oh, that- <laughs> and,
1: um, that's right. We were talking about Thor, though, weren't we?
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> uh adam did you want to synopsize the uh, movie real quick for anybody who may not have seen it
0: no because i think if you haven't seen it you shouldn't be listening to this anyway
1: well i just want to spoil the <laughs> hell out of it so anybody well, we're gonna, listening we're gonna we're going to lot. spoil this
0: yeah <laughs>
3: yeah
0: uh well i guess uh for starters ron when you when uh when uh, let's let's start back at the beginning i guess when thor hit the big screen and um you were going to see this movie what What was your uh, feeling? Were you excited about it? Were you nervous?
2: Yes. I was very excited. Uh, What I saw in the trailers, I really liked. And I went, as I sometimes do, I went and saw it by myself at like 11 o'clock in the morning (laughs) at a local theater. And it was just me and, you know, like five or six other guys. And I will be completely honest with you. I was positively overwhelmed. I, I wow. sat there and I got choked up very early in the movie uh, when they do the flashback with the ice giants in and and that battle and they and, and uh, Anthony uh, Hopkins' the voiceover takes us up to Asgard and they come up through the water and they pan across Asgard and it's Kirby's Asgard. Oh, yeah. and, and I got choked up. I was speaking to one of you guys. Was, was it you, Joel, earlier uh, in the last week sometime.
1: Yeah, it was and me. You
2: were, and you were mentioning that, you know, you're more of a Walt guy. Yeah. And 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 the, the movies don't necessarily capture your perception of Thor. And what I'm thrilled about is that uh, they've captured the Lee Kirby vibe on Thor. And in fact, before the movie came out, I frequent the Thor message boards. And these kids were, I call them kids because I'm, but these guys were were reacting to the line in the trailer where he says you know uh you call it science some call it magic right i come from a uh, from a place where they're one and the same and everybody's going what the hell is all that (laughs) like that's lee kirby's thor man you know i i can't begrudge anybody who only knows what they know about a character okay but it for those of us who know more about the history of a character, it, it's, it's, it's a little irksome at times. It's like when they announced the Avengers movie, and there were people online who were saying, well, how can they do an Avengers movie without Spider-Man and Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, listen, if you buy a Ford, I don't expect you to know the history of the Ford Motor Company. But don't just start reading the Avengers with that. And then go and then begrudge of, you know somebody for actually tapping into the history of the characters yeah. and what, what the Avengers used to be. I mean, Brett Breeding to this day, well, you can get him started on the fact that when he was a kid reading the book and when he became a pro and was doing some work on the Avengers, it meant something to be an Avenger. No, everybody and their brother is an avenger, he'll say. You know, he'll go on, <laughs> yeah, on this are. whole thing, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it used to mean something and all that kind of stuff. And so so that's you know, I I've been dealing with that vibe from the beginning that a lot of people don't understand that what they're doing in the films even up to and including what they're doing in in Thor 2, where a lot of people were a little disturbed by what they were calling the Star Wars (laughs) element. That that, that would be me. (laughs) It's very Lee and Kirby.
0: That's exactly how I described it. I mean, Kirby (laughs)
2: constantly. Kirby had the Asgardians riding into battle on horseback with swords and shields, but when... When the, the, the crab came down, they would roll up the ice cannon or something, you know, and they would fire these beams out of these giant cannons and stuff. Yeah. So that does not bother me a bit. That's all part of the vibe. These are not mythical gods. These are the, the people, the beings that the ancient myths were based on. Yeah. I mean, they, they got it exactly right in the first Thor movie when Jane Foster and her annoying sidekick— <laughs> are talking about it with Eric Selvig, you know, that that people like this with these powers would seem like gods to ancient man and blah, 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 blah. And Fandral has the line about, this isn't like the old days where you just go down to earth and throw a few lightning bolts and they worship you, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> they got that exactly right. That's uh, what the original vibe of the Thor book was.
1: But see, my, my problem okay. always was, when I, when I came in, it was with the Walt Simonson where it was big and epic and, you know, he really played up that, that God element of it. Now, like I said, I I enjoyed a lot of the Kirby stuff, but that was not the Thor that I grew up with, so.
2: I got you, I got you. And, And I, you know, I am second to no one as a fan of Walt and what Walt did. And Walt has a personal attachment to those Norse myths that he was able to apply to the Thor character in a way nobody had done before. It was hugely popular. It did great business. They were some fantastic stories, but it pardon me, my voice is changing at 53. <laughs> but I think ultimately you know it it was a major departure from where, uh, where Lee and Kirby had it, and and even the stuff they're doing now is very much mythologically based in that gods are gods, they, they either survive or thrive on worship. Or they don't, or you know, but they're dealing with these as being uh, not just alien creatures that are from a different plane of existence or a different planet or anything like that. They deal with these characters as being gods. Thor is a god, and he is—he is this. Haughty, and I mean H A U G H T Y. I, I actually used <laughs> mm-hmm. that term in a print interview one time, and it <laughs> came out H O T T I E, that he's a haughty. Now, you know. Well, now, as you, you I did said, say
1: you had a crush on Chris Hemsworth, though. <laughs> Chris
2: Hemsworth is a hottie, but when I, when I use it as a negative way, it, it's haughty. You know, the, uh, Thor was never that. I mean, you look at the original Lee Kirby stories, and they would do these great scenes. I, Adam, I don't know if you go back as far as I do, but <laughs> Kirby used to do these shots where he's like standing on the street reading a newspaper, and this little girl, who whose daddy is fighting in Vietnam, comes up to him, and says hi. And Thor leans down and and says, you know, your dad's a real hero, and I mean, I'm sure he'll come back safe. And, and he hugs her, and people are going. Those arms, he could he could crush her like an eggshell, but he's as gentle as he can be, you know. And, and he, he was. When, when Tom and I got on the book, after Walt had done what he had done so successfully, and Tom and I knew that we could not access the original myths the way Walt did, we very deliberately ended up back with more of the Lee Kirby vibe. And and Jack did a lot of accessing the original myths in Tales of Asgard. And there's so much of a backstory just there. You don't have to tap into the myths because Lee and Kirby left us with such a beautiful Backstory for the entire world of Thor that we figured we could do stories for for decades and not run out of ideas, and so we did. We went back more to that original vibe, and to me, Thor is a, is a ter- he's a he's a terrific guy. That's what I like about Chris Hemsworth's portrayal is that. He doesn't come across like somebody you wouldn't like to be in a room with. It's quite the contrary, he's got an incredible personal charisma. And what I liked about it is even when he was making bad decisions and was arrogant, you could see why his friends were loyal to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, they didn't play him like he was you know, a, a, a dick who then becomes a really nice guy. He just had a problem with knowing how great he was, and <laughs> had no sense of uh, proportion that he didn't have all the answers. And, but you could still see why his friends would follow him oh, into yeah. the uh, into the Ice Giant's Kingdom. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they've played it very well, and I think it's very much part of the original vibe of the character. And I get that a lot of people haven't been around as long as I have and haven't read <laughs> the original Kirby and may not prefer the original Kirby. But for me, that's been Thor from the very beginning. So uh, the one thing I think they do incredibly well in the films is the relationship between Thor and Loki. And when we came on the book, we didn't have the benefit of starting from scratch, not that we would want to. And by the time we got on the book, the relationship between Thor and Loki was pretty well defined. Loki had been very, very established as a, a pretty psychopathic evil dude <laughs> and there wasn't a lot we could do about it although i do feel that that tom and i kept that almost dead flicker of hope in thor's chest that he still had this connection to loki that they grew up together as brothers and best friends in fact if you if you check out the issue where eric actually it ended with eric becoming thor mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which was, what, 431 or something like that? If you go back and look at that, when Thor makes the decision to kill Loki, he's in tears because he, what he's going to remember of Loki is they were best friends as kids. That they, they grew up together as brothers. Yeah. And, and Loki responded to that by saying, you know, all I remember is something very similar. I don't remember the line exactly, but it was kind of similar to Loki's line in the movie about I remember his shadow you know, growing up in a shadow, um, that he resented Thor and, and you know, hated him. Yeah. And it always broke Thor's heart because they're brothers. And I love that element in the movies. Yeah. I mean, that's just even the scene in the Avengers where they reestablish them together when Thor first shows up, and he's saying, you know, forget this mad plan, come home. And he means it. I mean, he just wants him to stop being crazy for a minute and realize that his mother loves him and Odin loves him and Thor loves him and and come home. Let's get back to where we were before you found out about being adopted.
1: Let me ask you this, Ron. Uh, One of the things I thought was interesting about uh, Thor 2 was even after everything that happened in Thor and in the Avengers, uh, finding out everything, Loki still, he doesn't call him Thor. He calls him brother throughout the whole movie. He still refers to him as brother even though he hates him and despises him.
2: Well, yeah, and and he did that, he's done that in all the movies, mm-hmm. sometimes sarcastically. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, still been, it's still been natural for him. Yeah, you're right.
1: Do you think he's doing that to get under Thor's skin, or just as a way to keep digging at him, you know, as, as almost a backhanded insult, or do you think you know, he still feels that connection and he's fighting it?
2: it? When their situation has been at their worst, I think he's been doing it as a sarcastic slam. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think even in, in Tom Hiddleston's delivery, you know, he, he would say, brother. But, <laughs> no. you know, I thought it was interesting. I think by the end of Thor 2, I don't know where Loki's at, to tell you the truth. Because, I mean, I don't know where, how far are we going with spoilers? We're just going to screw it?
1: <laughs> screw the it. The whole thing.
2: <laughs> okay. Incu-
1: including the collector. Uh, you
2: know, by the end of the movie, <laughs> yes, he fakes his own death. But, you know, does that mean what he said in his quote-unquote death scene wasn't legitimate? You know, when he looks at Thor and says, I didn't do it for our father. You know, I think when Thor looked at him very seriously, even after all the threats and all that kind of stuff, when Thor looked at him on the skiff very seriously and said, I wish I could trust you, I think that affected Loki. I think Loki realized that that was Thor being honest with him. Plus, by the end of the movie, Thor saw, or, or Loki, saw an honest reaction from Thor to his death, he saw what Thor told Odin, mm-hmm. and he saw off-screen Odin's reaction to the news of Loki's death. Yeah. So that has to be new information for this character. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a good guy now because obviously <laughs> the ending of the movie there's there's some shenanigans going on, but right. that you know I don't see them not having that affect the character. I don't. I think Tom Hiddleston is plugged into the character enough that. Even a different director or a different screenwriter, they're going to have to follow up on what this new information, how this new information impacts Loki.
0: Well, that's one of the things I've always loved about like a well-written Loki is that I think he is very jealous of Thor, but at the same time, he does know how much Thor loves him, and he he he's still his brother. But he just has this raging jealousy that he can't control. Where I think like a well-written Loki isn't really he's not a bad guy. He just, he's just so jealous that he can't control it. And he just does really bad
3: things.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It leads, it leads him into really dark places. I I wouldn't disagree with that. Again, referring to that issue where Thor kills Loki in our run at first, Thor almost strangles him. I don't know if you guys remember that stuff at all, but Thor (laughs) has him by the neck and Loki's basically badgering him to go ahead and do it. Finally do it. Yeah. And Thor can't. He backs away and he says, I, I can't. And Loki says, I know. I've always known. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a part of Loki that has always known that Thor's not going to pull the trigger. Of course, in that story, he did, for all intents and purposes. <laughs> you know, for as long as any death lasts <laughs> in the Marvel <laughs> Universe.
3: <laughs> you
2: know, while it, why, why it occurred to me, I will say, let me tell you one thing about Thor too. <laughs> I actually, as it, proves, uh, as it proved out foolishly, Thought that uh, Defalco and I might even get one of those special thanks to credits at the end of the movie, <laughs> because when I was seeing the tr- when I was uh, when I saw the trailer, there was uh, well not the trailer, it's some of the previews that were coming right before the movie came out, and I had read how the film ends. We did that scene. We did a scene very similar to that uh, with the, you know when we finally resolved that whole death of Loki thing, and we showed how Loki staged it and how Loki came back and everything. We did a final panel splash page at the end of a story where everybody thought Odin was back, but we finally reveal that Loki had arranged things that he had possessed Odin. Mm -hmm. And that contrary to appearances, it is Loki who sits on the throne of Asgard. (laughs) And we did a shot, a splash page, where Loki is... In Odin, Odin is sitting very much like Loki would in the throne. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Looking evil with a you know floating head of Loki over him and stuff. So when I read what the ending was going to be, I'm like, I wonder if we're going to get one of those little credits. That would be kind of (laughs) cool. And then I also saw the scene where, you know, Thor is fighting Malekith and they're kind of jumping dimensions while they're fighting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in Thor 400, we did something similar to that. Yeah.
3: Hmm. With uh, Thor
2: fighting Surtur and they were jumping between dimensions and they were jumping to all the different uh locales of the Marvel universe like yeah. Atlantis and the blue area of the moon and all that kind of stuff and so i was thinking maybe you know maybe some of our stuff is uh, getting around the edges there <laughs> and uh, i have to admit i was a little uh, a little nervous as the credits were running i was kind of hoping maybe we'd get we'd get one of those credits but it didn't happen and uh you know there's that's fine. You know, great minds think about that. So there's, there's no reason to believe that, uh, that that's absolutely, you know, that they got it from us or anything. In yeah. fact, I doubt that they did. But, uh, I mean, for a while there I thought there was no way they didn't get the scene of the uh, helicarrier and the Avengers taken off out of the water because we did it in a Hercules miniseries. I just recently found out that they did it in the Ultimates,
3: Yeah, (laughs) I didn't realize they had
2: ever done it in the Ultimates. I still think that would have come after us doing it. Oh yeah! But ultimately, you know, if they if they saw it in a comic book to use it in the Avengers, I would have no trouble believing they saw it in the Ultimates and not in our Hercules miniseries (laughs) that kind of fell through the cracks.
1: Well, let me ask you this, Ron. I mean, you cited two examples where things kind of paralleled. But was there anything else that you noticed in either of the movies that uh, uh, seemed influenced by the run that you did? I mean, you did seven years. You know, any little uh, lines of dialogue or any little business or anything like that, really. that that seemed not, familiar. Not
2: really. What I, what I find myself doing mostly, Joel, is is in any of these movies, be it the the Fantastic Four films or the Marvel movies or or the Spider Man films is I find myself often reacting like, uh, you know, when it's really a cool scene, you go, damn, I wish I'd come up with that. (laughs) Sometimes it's just a line. Sometimes it's just, you know, the way it's delivered and the impact of it. I'll give you one example in the Fantastic Four movie. I'm I'm actually a fan of the first Fantastic Four movie. I know a lot of people aren't. But Mm -hmm. Ben has a line in there where he says, where Susie's saying, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. And Ben comes back at her with, you know, Susie... You got no idea what I would do to be invisible right now, and I just sat there going, "God, I wish I'd come up with that line." That, that's <laughs> terrific, you know. That really pulls a lot of that stuff together. And and again, I mean, all the relationships I like. I, this Thor two more than the first one had a vibe that kind of reminded me of some of what Tom and I did because in the course of our seven years, I think we had Asgard under siege at least two or three times, and we used the Warriors three quite a bit. Yeah. So I mean, even the scene where Fandral does the Errol Flynn off the skiff and takes out mm-hmm. the guards and yeah, everything,
3: yeah,
2: remi- the vibe reminded me a lot of the kind of stuff that Tom and I would do, yeah. And the relationship between all the the warriors and stuff. I mean, why they lost, why they dumped Hogan, I'm not quite sure, but because uh, he's always yeah. been one of my favorite of the world. Ho-
1: yeah, Hogan didn't get much, did he?
2: No, he's and, and they said he was from a specific realm. Yeah. Which I'm not sure comes from the comic books, because in the what I remember from the comic books is back in the day they did a Tales of Asgard story where they went to a, a land called Xanadu or something, and I think that was strongly suggested that Hogan was from that <laughs> land. it was the land of the Arabian Nights and and they you know, they had genies and all this kind of stuff, and I, I I seem to remember them strongly suggesting that that's where Hogan was from. Yeah. But they, What are you
1: laughing about? You said that, dude. I'm thinking Olivia Newton-John in that stupid movie. uh, Not that. Not not the roller skating
2: rink. Not the roller disco rink.
1: (laughs) Well, see, I I was okay with him doing that with Hogan because that addressed one of the problems I had with the first movie was uh, him being black. Uh, Because then I can say, okay, well, he's just from a different realm. That's fine. That that, that addressed that. Now I'm perfectly fine with it. Whereas I had a lot of problems with it in the first movie i to me it it, here's the thing i
0: because they're norse gods is what like joel and i've had this argument a few times now
2: you're putting the chicken before the egg right they're they're not norse gods they 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 are the reason for the stories but you know they don't follow the rules if they followed the rules thor would have red hair and a red beard and drive a chariot driven by goats, goats. And, and when the goat when he gets hungry he eats the goats and then he puts the bones back together and flash their their the skins back on and they <laughs> pull his chariot again suck it Joel. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I, I,
1: but, but did i but did i not say that i just changed my opinion
2: well but that's I, that's yes you did Joel. because oh, that's something that we man, tried to address Joel. in the course of our run was uh, kevin masterson once asked eric you know, I like Thor better with the beard. All Norsemen had beards. Why doesn't he have a beard? And, and Eric said, because you know, all, even though his people influenced and, and uh, the, the, the original Norse myth, they're not Norse. Yeah. In fact, before that, we had Hercules at one point. Uh, Thor had grown his beard back in the Black Galaxy because he went through a membrane that aged him. And he got back to the high evolutionary's place and he was shaving off his beard again. And, Thor, and Hercules said, what are you talking about? <laughs> to your people, it's a, to, to the Norsemen, it was a sign of virile manliness. How can you shave off your beard? And Thor just casually says, I'm not Norse. I'm Asgardian. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not the same thing, man.
3: See, see
1: I, what, what bothers me worse is not so much getting schooled by Ron, it's the fact that he takes Ted's side in this. Damn, well, Ted's got Ron on either. his side. I mean,
2: those are all things that have been addressed in the course of the run, and, and, You know, it's it's true. I mean, if if <laughs> Lee and Kirby were trying to say that this was the Thor from mythology, he should look very different from what he looks like. I mean, Roy yeah. sort of kind of addressed it by having <laughs> Red Norval become a version of Thor that yeah. was much see, closer to the descriptions from the myths. You know, you see, you see, this and, is what I'm uh,
1: talking about. Adam loves people in pain. You see that he is cackling.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, I've I've already pegged him for that. Hey, look, yeah, hey, I'm, look I'm with you on that. The one, thing so.
0: is, this is I I didn't bring it up. <laughs> like, oh, like, like, I almost brought it up. I was almost like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Ron about this. I'm calling Joel out," but I didn't even do it. I didn't even have to do it, like Joel,
1: because <laughs> well, you, know, you M- knew I'd M- stick Joe, my own you know, foot in my own know. mouth. That's why.
2: <laughs> well, in my humble opinion, because yeah. I mean, believe me, the idea, uh, you know, and and I don't know whether that makes makes me racist or what, but the the idea of making uh, Johnny and Sue black doesn't <laughs> immediately appeal to me. They they may pull it off in the next movie, you know, if indeed that ends up happening. But uh, it didn't bother me when Kingpin was, was it changed races, and it didn't bother me bother me with uh, Heimdall mostly because yeah. I, I just thought it was an incredible performance too in both films.
0: Absolutely, oh, yeah. So yeah.
2: I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we had him, and when you think about it, and, and you know, if you want to mix uh, not races, but uh, lineages, uh, it, the, the Kirby version of Heimdall that I settled on, he looked Amish because he had a beard and no mustache.
3: Yeah. In
2: fact, we had Eric Masterson refer to him as Amish a couple of times uh, as as a nickname because of his beard. So, you know, we were all over the place with uh, Asgardians and beards. Baldur's always been clean shaven, right. you know, so obviously yeah. they're not following the Norse belief that you're only a man if you have a beard or something, you yeah. know.
1: Well, let let me ask you about this. And what do you think as far as um, the 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 little tag at the end, as far as bringing the collector and and really uh, it's setting up? It's it's going to be space next with the Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, right. and then the the Thanos uh, at the end of of Avengers and all that. What do you think about what they're going next with this?
2: I'm curious to see Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not the Gu- I'm old. Remember, let's reestablish that. Ron's fifty three. Um, <laughs> So when they said they were making a Guardians of the Galaxy film, I went, really? Yondu and Martin X and Charlie 27 and all those characters? I didn't even know that yeah. they had done a new great Guardians of the Galaxy with Rocket Raccoon and, yeah. and Star-Lord. So I read the original Star-Lord stuff. I mean, I, I know the Peter Quill character, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I know the Gamora character and the Drax character. I mean, my erstwhile studio mate, Pat Olive, did uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch for, yeah. for a while there. So I'm, I'm familiar with those characters. But I did not know they had been rebanded as the new Guardians of the Galaxy. So I, when I did find that out, I went, oh, oh, well now I get it, okay. I have to tell you that that stinger at the end of the movie scared the royal hell out of me. <laughs> because I thought it looked terrible.
0: I tried not to bring this up on our forum, um, because I didn't want to ruin the movie for people in the end credits. But sure, let sure. Me, who gives one piece of a collection to a man named The Collector? For safekeeping. <laughs> like that seems like a terrible idea. Let's give you well, one piece of a collection to hold on to.
2: Well, that's true, <laughs> but by the same token they gave you their reason in the in the thing was that they didn't think it was smart to have two of the Infinity Gems in the same place.
0: I'd have found someone
2: else. I, I don't disagree. His <laughs> name is The <laughs> I mean, <just> Collector. <laughs> I, yeah, and, but uh, what really threw me about it, because I, I mean, the, you know, there was a story going around that uh, Alan Taylor, the director of the film, had kind of said something unflattering about that, that he uh, didn't want the blame for that tag at the end.
3: <laughs> and he has
2: since apologized for it. And, uh, you know, said that his comments were unprofessional, and he apologized. Yeah. And I understand that, but I after seeing it, I understand why he was a little upset because yeah. I mean the lighting the <laughs> I, were you did, were you guys in uh, taken in by that or did it look like an old episode of Lost in Space to you too?
0: I I personally hated the whole thing. I know a lot of people that did enjoy it, but I did I, not like the end at all.
2: I, I mean, squealed like a 13-year-old little girl. The girl that leads them in,
0: and the, <laughs> the cages Joel it's just saw special. the collector. I was like collector.
1: I well, did. I, mean, I, guys, I guys, swear guys, to God, my <laughs> wife went to go see it with me because she also has a crush on Chris Hemsworth,
2: and uh, <laughs> and I saw it. And I swear say, to God, I don't care s- if you buy them for the Staples. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I squealed like a thirteen-year-old girl when that came on. And my wife went, "Why are you doing that?" I go, "It's the collector." Oh my God! Infinity wow. gems, Infinity Gauntlet. She goes, "What the wow. hell are you?" Never don't, mind. It doesn't don't, matter. Don't. So I I'm loved to it
2: to cater right there in the theater, man. <laughs> but see, I I was there with, with one of my with my best friend, uh, and she goes to these movies because she enjoys the humor. I mean, she has a, a you know when when she and I were dating a lifetime ago, uh, while I was on Thor, she actually was a character in Thor. So you know, I tried to to involve her that way. That never worked either. Um, but she is aware of Thor as much as any other character because of my time on the book, and uh, so and she enjoys the film. She enjoys Iron Man because she loves Robert Downey Jr., of course, and, you know, and enjoys the movies because of the fact that they have a sense of humor and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But I was right there with her when uh, it it came to that scene and i heard her very honestly not to me not to anybody but when benicio uh, shows up on screen there she goes oh no
3: <laughs>
2: and i had to i had to agree with her i i thought it was one i thought it was just completely out of place in the thor movie
3: yeah and yeah. you
2: know volstag and sif walking in the lighting was completely different. The setup was completely different. It, it, it reminded me, again, because I'm very, very old, of when <laughs> Green Hornet and Cato showed up on the Batman series. <laughs> because, you know, they went from a series that had realistic lighting and realistic sets to, you know, the Day Glow sets they had on Batman. And it's, it's like, what's wrong with this picture? That's what it felt like to me. And the makeup on the, the alien girls and the makeup on the aliens in the cages and all this kind of stuff just it, it felt very lost in space to me, you know, oh, and uh, oh. it's kind of scared me for the movie, to tell you the truth. I I don't know what to think of this thing now, and, and we'll find <laughs> out. I was not in San Diego. I didn't see the teaser. They've done a great job of keeping it offline, so I have not seen it yet. But, um, frankly, <laughs> I'm... I, I'm cautiously optimistic about it now.
1: You know What worries me about it is the space stuff has never been Marvel's strong suit. They've never really had a space character that stuck. They tried it with Nova, really didn't go anywhere. Quasar lasted, what, 60, yeah, but, but 70, thing, something like that. It's but, never been their strong suit, so I don't know why they're going there.
0: But the thing is, I mean, they're going, like obviously they're going to do the Infinity uh, stuff, but like the Annihilation series where they did get the new Guardians of the Galaxy together... I mean, that was a really solid story. Now, it didn't have the numbers to keep it going, and even after they kind of went into their own books, it didn't really have the numbers. But the story right. itself was solid. Like, I, I really enjoyed it.
2: I mean, it definitely is a cornerstone of the Marvel Universe. Certainly, in my opinion, a lot of the cosmic stuff hasn't been done well since Mark Grunewald died. I mean, Bruni, mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. the king of that stuff. And I'm not, even if he wasn't writing it, he was the guy, he was the go-to guy for that kind of stuff. And he was always in the, you know, in the wings uh, through Ralph and, and uh, Ralph Macchio and all those other people when, like, Jim Starlin was writing the original Infinity Gauntlet stuff. You know, he was the guy that was taking all the notes and keeping everything straight. And uh, so, I mean, I didn't read Annihilation. I've I've become familiar with it through the fact that it actually is one of the few appearances of Stellaris outside of anything that... Uh, That Tom and I did, Um, but you know it is—you know—it's going to be problematic because of the the comparisons to Star Wars, and Mm -hmm. you know they—they've gotten confident enough that they have an audience for these that does not have to be re-educated every time. And that's the thing. I mean, they got away with aliens attacking New York, and everybody loved it. So they're going to take the next step. Uh, out into uh, space, fantasy and stuff. What, what really amazes me about the whole thing is Marvel's taking this step out into the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thanos and all this other jazz. And Wolverine still can't wear yellow because that would be gay. You know, that
1: kind of <laughs> well, now I was reading somewhere that they were saying that the, uh, the the seeds for Guardians of the Galaxy was in Thor two. Did you see that online? Uh, there I, was because because there, the there was a scene I mean, when they were when they were dropping in between dimensions that you saw j- uh, jet pilots or jet planes just disappear for a while, and if you yeah. read the, uh, the the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, a jet pilot gets stranded in space and must unite a diverse team of aliens. So there is some speculation that they were seeding the Guardians of the Galaxy through Thor two.
2: That, that one of those pilots was Quill.
1: That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's okay. what they're that that's where the speculation is right now.
2: See, I was a little confused by that because they do the little tag at the end where the monster that came through the warp is still on our planet. Yeah. Okay? Right. And, but they also, when they come back to England, they show two jets flying over. Right. Mm -hmm. And I assumed, as a viewer of the film, that that was their way of telling us that those two pilots made it back. But I I don't know. That's the way I I, saw it. You could be completely right, Joe. I don't know. I hadn't read that rumor, but that certainly makes a lot of sense. I, if they really are looking for, I mean, the, the rumors that start before the actual film comes out, like the, the, the brief scene with Jane on that blind date, oh you know, everybody was going, he must be playing Don Blake.
0: <laughs> wow. That's funny. I didn't get any of that. I I didn't even know that. Like I avoided Thor trailers, like, as much as I could, and I kind of really went into Thor with as much of, like, a clean slate as I could, and yeah. – um that scene cracked me up because you know that guy's from the show The IT Crowd, right. and I love that show. I think it's hilarious. So when I saw that, I just, like my wife, like Sean and I, we just lost it. We just started laughing so hard because that guy's just he's just a joke in the IT Crowd. And it was just kind of funny yeah. to see her out on a on a date with the him and kind of picturing him as the guy she was dating.
2: <laughs> well, and I mean, but, you know, there's a throwaway line in the first movie to kind of get the Don Blake thing in there. That she dated this guy and everything, and then the word comes out that they filmed a scene where they're having lunch together or something, and <laughs> he must be playing Don Blake. And it's like, really? That's quite a leap. <laughs> <laughs> or he's just playing some guy, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, I, so it gets a little crazy. I mean, I I know people who don't. I, I go to comicbookmovie dot com quite a bit to follow. You know, it's kind of a clearinghouse for all the different news and everything. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've mentioned it at times to friends of mine. And they they don't like going to those things because so much of it so early on is just rumor, you know, and uh, it, they're not entertained by the rumor. And everybody, of course, it's the Internet, so everybody has volumes to say about what may or may not happen. <laughs> right. And it's a but. lot like, you know, handicapping an election. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, nobody ever has to pay for being wrong. You know, so.
1: Now I did get something tonight, though. Agents of Shield is going to cross over with Thor.
2: Now, from what I understood, but from what I took from the uh, it should from, from the preview, <laughs> it's running mm-hmm. right now. Here, I'm taping it. But yes, taping, not not uh, t- <laughs> uh,
3: VHS. But or uh,
2: from what I took from the preview <laughs> is that. Either an Asgardian artifact or an artifact from some other dimension ends up on Earth, much like that big freaking monster does. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's going to be the connection, pretty much.
1: The press pass or the press release I got says, in the aftermath of the events chronicle in the feature film Marvel's Thor The Dark World, Coulson and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pick up the pieces, one of which threatens to destroy a member of the team. There you
2: go. So. And it's, it's either a, it's some kind of a spear or something that carries rage within it, you know, that uh that that Ward gets a hold of it and starts to lose control. It would be cool if it were the blood axe. Mm. But uh, you know, I hold out no hope for those kinds of things.
3: <laughs> but, but, but see
1: then
0: they'd <laughs> but boy, have to Boy wouldn't pay that you.
2: have been nifty, huh? But well, then they'd have so. to pay you.
1: I was you know, I was
0: gonna ask how many how many things like uh since you were you guys were on Thor for so long. You know, are there any things that you guys worked on that you would love to see? I mean, I'm sure you'd love to see a lot of it up on the big screen, but is there anything in particular you'd, you'd love yeah. to see kind I mean, of get up sure. there? I
2: sure. I'd love to see all of it up yeah. on the big screen. I, <laughs> I'd like to – I mean, if they really wanted to start cleaving into the science fiction larger Marvel universe, how cool would it have been to see Alone Against the Celestials? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, how, I – as as they go more Thor movies, I mean everybody signed for three, but you know, and I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't attempt recasting down the road and everything. But I mean, it, what always blows my mind is they got to like this, they got to Iron Man two, and I remember reading an article, an interview with uh, with the director and with Robert Downey Jr. and stuff. With John Favreau though was the guy I think that said it, is that with Iron Man two there wasn't a clear way forward. He didn't have a great rogues gallery, and there really wasn't a clear way forward. And I sat there and going, wait a minute. 45 years of comic books don't, don't give you a clear way forward for the second movie?
0: Really? Yeah. And like, really, like Iron Man's had one of the more solid ongoing runs over its life, too. Sure. Where it hasn't, sure. hasn't gone away. It's pretty much been a comic since it started
2: got all kinds of stuff. I mean, there were all kinds of directions you could have gone. I mean, you know, you got writers doing episodic monthly adventures of this character for 40 some years (laughs) to say that there's nothing in that wealth of stories that that couldn't be translated into a a 90 minute, two hour film is just ludicrous on the face of it. And the fact that they had to take the Crimson Dynamo and Whiplash and jam them together <laughs> to make a movie is silly to me, because they could have gone with, you know, uh, industrial espionage and used that character, the Ghost. They could have. See, that—that's who
1: I was really hoping for. Was the Ghost? Yeah,
2: I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, they, they made Justin Hammer a throwaway doofus in the, in the second movie instead of the Peter Cushing-like threat that he should have been. <laughs> you know, so you, you know if you, if you take a character like the Mandarin, however you feel about it, because supposedly they're going to do a Marvel one-shot that shows that there really is a Mandarin and that he's not happy
3: with the way his reputation was
2: abused in Iron Man 3, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Iron Man has other people. He has other tech characters. He has, you know, the opposite of tech characters that he's fought. I mean, there's plenty of stuff you could have done. I mean, you could have gotten a movie with uh, uh, Happy Hogan being turned into, uh, what was the name of the character he used to get turned into? The Freaker? Was it... He, yeah, he got he got transformed by some energizing beam into.
1: Come on, Ron. You know, you're older than me. You should know this.
2: I should. I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel completely embarrassed that I don't remember See? whether I don't know if it was the freak or what the hell it was called. But, See, you know, I mean, there's just lots of stories to do. So, I, I find that ridiculous. So, in that in that realm, I mean, they they have to make a, a movie that's that's accessible to a general crowd i mean that's the thing the fanboys and i use that term with all due affection um mm-hmm. uh, starting I, to get. Yeah, their
1: we have this ongoing thing i i'm 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 the, i'm one of the older guys and uh so everybody else is you know younger than me joel's the so I'm,
0: fanboy <laughs>
1: You know, there is nothing wrong with, with giving a shout-out to the people who have been supporting their damn books for 20 years. No, look, it, look, it, Look, if you're going to have a character called Whiplash, call him Whiplash in the movie once. Have a newspaper that says, Iron Man fights Whiplash. Just one time, give me something.
2: Is that no, too much I, to ask? No, Joe, I'm not going to argue that point at all because I'm with you on, on your complaint. I, Thank I, you. That's one of the things I don't like about the show Arrow is it? they finally in the second season are now calling him arrow but apparently the show is allergic to color because the <laughs> black canary is only called the canary and green arrow isn't being called green arrow yet and they keep trying to fool the fans and the fans are eating it up i mean they'll say we're going to do the uh royal flesh gang and i'm like you're going to do the Royal Flush Gang? There's an android in the Royal Flush Gang. And it turns out to be guys with hockey masks with, with face cards on them or something. And, it's, and they're robbing banks. And it's like, oh, that's the Royal Flush Gang? How many times do you expect us to fall for that? And they're still falling for it. I mean, they like it because it's dark. And I have trouble with it because every scene sounds like this to me. I really can't believe that my mother is, you <laughs> And you're really well, going to go out there again, and you're going to do this? Because you know it's not really good what you're doing, and it's, you're not a hero yet. You're just a thing and a vigilante and all of you know.
1: them. Look, I, I don't mind major changes as long as there's a shout-out. And I'll give you an example is as far as Electro in the next movie. Okay, fine, he's black. Okay, fine. He's blue and glowy, fine, whatever. But at least for me, at least for me as an old-time fan, I know that the, the the yellow and the green with the with the lightning bolt sticking straight out of his head. That's not going to work on screen. But at least if you're going to do it, put him in a hoodie with the green with the lightning bolt pattern on it. So at least references what he what he had in the comics. At least give me that some reference to what what used to be.
2: Joel, I don't I'm think not even what. sure. I, I don't even necessarily cleave to the fact that the uh, the mask wouldn't work. Did you see the Marvel Knights Spider-Man that Dotson did? Where the, no. the, the lightning bolts laid down on the mask until he used his power, and then they stood up and everything. I, it actually looked kind of cool. Well, so, I'm talking
1: about for the average person, not I got not you. a comic book no, person. I, I got you,
2: but see, my point is that as they have, I think the entree has been made. It has been proven that you know people will go to a movie with a man in a red, white, and blue costume and a, and a guy with a long red cape and a guy in a golden gold, uh, golden red uh, armor, and and they will go to see this movie and they will enjoy it for what it is and it's high adventure and fun and all this kind of stuff, I think it's time to stop worrying about Trunks and what they're going to buy, costume wise, and all that kind of stuff. If you're going to start doing Guardians of the Galaxy with talking raccoons, <laughs> then, then I really think you can get away with Wolverine putting on a mask. I really do. Boy, I just find the disjointed nature of the the beatitudes to be a little difficult to take sometimes.
1: I mean, I understand that Marvel's trying to go for a more uh, quote real world feel, and if that's the way that they want to go with it, you know, at least give a nod out. As far as I'm concerned, let's go. Let's let's make the uh, let's make the comics into the movies. As far as I'm concerned, but I understand that the, a lot of people that still won't play for.
2: No, I, I understand that too. But I, I think a lot of that has you know, once you you ingratiate yourself to the audience, I, I don't think that's something that you have to continue doing. To tell you the truth um you know you have to introduce them to the world and it's a fun world and there's all kinds of stuff but you know i think more and more i i thought i was going to hate it in captain america when i heard that they were only going to do cap's real costume as a joke right, right. except when i saw it in the movie i freaking loved it
3: <laughs> and
2: when i saw the, the the uniform that they did put together i loved it yeah. and i and i like the uniform he wore in the avengers and i like what i'm seeing from the next one and. You know, so if it works, it works. But the idea that somebody's going to pay, you know, uh, I don't know, what are you paying for a 3D movie these days? $14, $15 for for a movie ticket uh, to go to a Superman movie. And you're going to buy into a guy from another planet who flies and shoots lasers out of his eyes. But you're going to draw the line that Red Trunks... (laughs) It <laughs> just strikes me as completely ridiculous. But then again, I lived through the 1978, 1979 Christopher Reeve movie where the entire country embraced this wonderful film about this Boy Scout in bright red, yellow, and blue that charmed the entire nation. I don't understand why, you know, I think I understand some of the elements to it. I, I think, you know, Warner is very, very, very committed to not in any way echoing the Marvel style, oh yeah, of having any fun, <laughs> because it would be seen as doing the Marvel version or something, right? Uh, but I, I also don't feel in the same way that I don't feel that uh, Superman Returns worked because I think Brian Singer kind of tried to paint Superman with the same brush that he painted the X-Men. Those kind of things don't work.
3: Yeah, you I can't
2: still... paint every character with the same brush.
0: I still haven't seen Superman Returns.
2: You never saw Superman Returns. I haven't really? seen
0: Superman Returns. I haven't seen Fantastic Four Two. I haven't seen the new Amazing Spider-Man. It, it took you know. me months to finally see. Uh,
2: <laughs> it, it took me months to finally see the reboot of the Amazing Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, I've got it on my DVR, um, and uh, <laughs> and as big
2: a fan as I am of the first Fantastic Four movie, I'm a huge fan of Rise of the Silver Surfer. Really? I thought Rise of the Silver Surfer was terrific. I know everybody complained because it didn't have a guy in it and a metal hat and a metal skirt standing in <laughs> the streets of New York. But I thought they did a terrific job. I think the casting in those are terrific. I think the char- they nailed the four main characters. I think it's tragic that they felt they had to adjust Dr. Doom. But one of the reasons they had to adjust Dr. Doom is because if they did Dr. Doom straight from the comics, everybody would say, you ripped off Darth Vader.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it happened on the... On the uh, the Agents of Shield pilot.
3: Huh. That
2: last thing at the end, where he activates the flying car and takes off, everybody said, "Why did they rip off Back to the Future?" <laughs> <laughs> I also I, haven't seen I Agents of Shield. I loved it. I was hoping that's what Lolo was. Was one of the classics, you know, with, with the Kirby flying devices and stuff. But you know, it, it some things you have to admit have you know have become part part of pop culture. In spite of you, not because of you, and some things you have to let go of because that's the reaction people are going to have, you know. I give Joss Whedon some credit for throwing it in there because I got a big kick out of it. But most of the, you know, I do know a lot of quote-unquote civilians who went, well, that's right out of Back to the Future.
0: <laughs> so... As someone who has been reading comics and involved in comics as long as you have and had to deal with a lot of like the really bad comic movies of the 70s and uh, early 80s, um, mm-hmm. at, like with all of the comic movies coming out now, are you, is it starting to get lackluster or are you still like, just as excited for each, each new thing?
2: I, I would probably say the latter. I'm still excited for each new thing because I, I want them all to be good. I want them all to succeed. I mean, they—they're not all going to be home runs. You know, some of them are going to be base hits. Some of them are just going to load the bases, so the next Avengers can come along and and clear the you know clear the bases. I, so, I mean, I—I I, I guess I'm—I'm I'm being fairly realistic about it. But as I said, I mean, this is this is where my fanboyness is coming out the most—is—is is in these uh, in these films because I've been so pleased that they haven't just embraced the. Just embrace the ultimate version, or something. That they, that, that these characters, even more than with the material they're doing in the books now, are tapping in to the original zeitgeist of the characters as as Stan and Jack and Steve and everybody in the, ori- the original architects how they originally envisioned them. I mean, you know, the Captain America movie was just so good because they got Cap right, they got Steve right, and the the. Whoever came up with not only the technology, but the idea of getting to know Steve and liking Steve while he was still Steve deserves a medal. (laughs) Because you care about that guy before he ever steps into the machine. And once he becomes Captain America, you get it. You understand that his point of view is different and everything because he grew up the way he did. I mean, in the original stories... You can't even give the comics credit for that, because in the original stories, Steve Rogers doesn't come on the page until he's he's walked out in front of the, 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 uh, the government people and, and given the shot. You know, I mean, he's like three panels, skinny Steve, before he becomes Captain America. And I know there have been stories done in the meantime, but I, I just thought the movie was wonderful that way i mean to to really give you a sense of who steve rogers was before you make him captain america i think was was really really smart
1: yeah i just have one more question for you ron then i mean um for the next movie for for thor when they do thor 3 what would you like to see them throw in there what would you like to see them do next where would you like to see it go
2: well assuming that you know uh I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot coming before it, including Avengers Age of Ultron, and you know, the word is that Loki doesn't show up at all in Age of Ultron, and they've already put Thor on Earth for that, so they're not going to have to reestablish Thor's status or anything. It's probably going to be something that I, I don't know whether Loki's going to decide to attack Thor or Thor's going to become aware that, you know, where do you think Odin is? I was getting ready I to mean, ask you that. Thank you. As the, yes. the movie, I, I certainly don't think Loki killed him. No. Uh, I, no. Anthony uh, uh, Hopkins. Good lord! What is my problem? That's what
1: happens when you get old. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins
2: was interviewed on the red carpet, and he said he's dead. I think two's enough. <laughs> that <kind of> thing. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, whether they would consider recasting Odin, I don't know because, you know. Mr. Hopkins, you kind of have to come back because if they're going to continue, unless they, they just decide that off-screen, Loki revealed to everybody that uh, I'm the boss now, <laughs> you know, they they need Anthony Hopkins to play Loki as Odin, if <laughs> right. nothing else, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to end up doing. I, I really don't let myself go too far in any given direction, but it looks <laughs> like, I mean, they're going to have to clean up that mess. You know, I, w- w- it might be interesting given everything that Loki has seen and heard, I mean, they did, they did kind of show that Odin was ailing. Yeah, and one of place. my buddies was saying, well, that's ridiculous, you know, how many times does he have to take the Odin sleep in a year? You know, that kind of thing. And I said, well, if you remember the first movie, he didn't really complete the Odin sleep. Yeah. There, there's every reason to believe that that Odin sleep was interrupted because at one point, Frigga said he might who There was no telling how long he might sleep. Right. So... The fact that he woke up, he didn't get a complete Odin sleep the last time, plus they've been fighting these battles on nine fronts of the nine worlds and all this kind of jazz. So I have a feeling he's in the Odin sleep and Loki stashed him somewhere, whether it's another dimension or the dimension of death like we've done in the comic books or whether it's something else, I don't know. But I think there's a lot more of Asgard that would be interesting to see. I mean, I'd love to see Carnilla. I'd love to see Hela. You know, there's all these other characters from Asgard that I think would be fantastic.
1: I'm not just saying this because you're on, Ron, but I was kind of hoping that they'd um, introduce Thunderstrike in the next one. Thor goes off, does whatever, leaves Thunderstrike behind to take his place, and I go off. And now be- you've got a new character, and you can, you know, it's like Thor Light, and you can go on from there.
2: Well, spinoffs, yeah, spinoffs being spinoffs. I mean, I always kind of hoped that with Spider-Man being done in cartoons and all this kind of stuff, I I always had this very modest fantasy that, you know, especially once Disney bought Marvel, that there would be a half-hour Disney series of Spider-Girl. But Sony still has the, the 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 TV, right? They have to be involved in any of the TV stuff with Spider-Man, I think, because they have the, the, the TV movie rights. So, uh, but I was uh, kind of, you know, because you really can't do Spider-Girl without Pete and Mary Jane. And, <laughs> right. You know that becomes the problem there, but yeah, Joe. I mean, sure, I let my brain go that direction. You know, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool <laughs> to say? I mean, the only thing is, <laughs> this is really going to sound like I, I really am stalking Chris Hemsworth or something. <laughs> he would have been a great thunderstrike. You know?
1: Remember, it says you've got to keep five hundred feet away, Ron.
2: I know, I know. He has no, <laughs> he has no worries there. I, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I would love to see that. You know, I mean, believe me when. <laughs> When I heard in the first movie that his scientist friend was named Eric, what do you think I thought? <laughs> that his last name was yeah. going to be Masterson, that we were at least going to make it in on a name, you know, that kind of thing.
3: Yeah.
2: I'm glad that, that they didn't because, uh, you know, the hope remains alive that they could actually do that someday. And, uh, you know, I mean, when these franchises get tired, who knows if they wouldn't go that direction. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, believe me, if it ever happened... You'd hear the uh, squeal of a teenage girl from Pittsburgh, no matter where you are on the planet. You know, that kind of thing. I'd love to see that kind of thing.
3: Well, well,
0: you know, you guys earlier, you were talking about, Joel was talking about Simonson being his Thor, and uh, you were talking about Kirby. But when the first Thor comic I ever read in my life was Eric Masterson.
2: Oh, God bless you.
0: So, my Thor, my Thor... No, uh, but it's honest. Like my Thor is like that's like when I started reading comics, when I started reading Thor, my Thor was uh, you know friends and Defalco. I mean that's that's my Thor. When it took me a while to adjust to the fact that you know Eric Masterson is not Thor, really. I guess <laughs> you know it took it it like it took me a while to kind of really put that together. Even though the whole story arc, he's basically
2: looking for Thor. <laughs> so your first issue was really you were one of those guys that that picked it up because we were trying something new with Eric taking over.
0: Um,
2: yeah. Or did you read some of our Thor stuff before that?
0: No, no. It was um, uh, I think like it was the 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 part of the series where Eric is um, like I actually went back and bought I have your I recently bought y'all's entire run in comics, but it was basically um, where like Beta Ray Bill's on one cover and like um absorbing man is on a cover yeah,
2: if it was beta ray bill the only time we did bill was uh the, the thor war yeah was the time ta- yes
0: yeah yeah with the where different were thors the tomorrow man and everything yeah yeah that's where i started oh, that right. was a fun story that was the I, first I, I that was that, story. that was the first thor comics i ever read was that 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 series that run yeah, that, that story even arc. late in our run
2: sure yeah sure. yeah
0: I've, I've since gone back and bought all, all of them from from when you guys started on it and uh, started and, and read those, but at the time, that's 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 the first uh, Thor comics I picked up. Was well, I'm those.
2: glad you enjoyed them, man. I really am, and I appreciate <laughs> that. I mean, we're still making money for the company because uh, it was kind of cool that their inaugural the, that new format they're doing of the the, uh, the Epic Collection. Uh, the first mm-hmm. the first release was uh, the, the beginning of our Thor run. Yeah. The two fill-ins and then the, uh, the the Celestial stuff and the War of the Pantheons up to 400 yeah. was the first of that to be released. And uh, it was fun seeing those stories again, you know, because I, I don't pull out my old comics as often as people might think. And uh, it was fun to see some of that stuff. You know, I mean, sometimes it's painful because, you know, ooh, boy, I'd love another pass at that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for the most part, you know, I, I think the Falco was, it was, That was a fun time because, you know, Tom wasn't sure he could write Thor. He likes characters like Spider-Man and Ben Grimm and, you know, and the down-to-earth characters that are like the guys next door and everything, and he wasn't sure he could do Thor. And so we did the fill-ins kind of to uh, ingratiate ourselves to Ralph Macchio because there was some talk that we were going to take over Daredevil. He was looking for a team for Daredevil, and Tom was lobbying for us after Spider-Man to get on to Daredevil. And uh, I had even done a daredevil piece for Ralph that hung in his office for years, and uh, to kind of you know schmooze him. <laughs> and uh, so we did the two Thor fill-ins: the, uh, the Secret Wars flashback and the Dargo Thor fill-in to kind of ingratiate ourselves to to Ralph. And uh, and uh, when we were done with those. Ralph said, "Well, I I do have a book in mind for you too." And Tom went, "Yeah, Daredevil." And he went, "No, <laughs> Thor." And Tom said, "I can't write Thor." And he said, "You just did two issues. You're dope." And I was a huge Thor fan, so you know I grew up on the Buscema stuff, but had you know since read the Kirby stuff and loved it all, and uh, you know so I was <laughs> I mean if anybody wanted to give me a job doing Thor, I was more than happy. And <laughs> Brett Breeding was a huge Thor fan and. You know, so we were probably more psyched about it than DeFalco was, but he decided to jump in with both feet, to his credit. He said, if he's not sure he can do cosmic, let's do the Celestials. (laughs) (laughs) Let's really do it. And, and, you know, that reminds me, there's another scene in there that kind of made me wonder if there wasn't a bit of a DeFalco vibe in some of it. The scene where the uh, stone man of Saturn comes forward, and Thor goes, hello. And he goes. Bah! He goes. I accept your surrender. If you remember, there's this wonderful scene that the fans of our work all remember fondly, where Thor staring standing beneath Ereshem the Celestial, and he gives him a chance to surrender before, before this gets ugly. And I, that's always been Thor to me. You know, so when I saw that in the uh, trailer, I thought that was a, a nice little thing too. That I can't help but feel a connection to it. I'm not saying that they borrowed it from <laughs> us or anything, but but I can't help but feel a connection to it.
0: So all in all, you were pretty happy with Thor.
2: Yeah, I I did. I like I said, I think it suffered. Well, my first viewing. I, I intend to see it again. Yeah. Because I do this bad thing sometimes with these <laughs> movies that 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 is that it does them a disservice, which is when i see the trailers i my brain starts filling in where in the movie that scene happens and <laughs> this must be the denouement and this must be the setup and all that kind of jazz so sometimes when i'm actually sitting in the movie my brain is playing catch up uh, <laughs> to what i thought the structure of the film was going to be Do yeah. you understand what i mean yeah because i you know when i saw them filming you know i saw all the stills from them filming what ended up being the final battle with Malekith, I thought that was an earlier skirmish. So when they get to that, and they, I'm looking at my watch, and I'm going, holy shit, this is, okay, this is the big wrap-up. I'm <laughs> like, wow, you know, and I'm, so I'm a little outside of the movie thinking those kind of thoughts instead of just sitting back and letting the movie wash over me. It's just a bad habit I have. DeFalco always tells me, you know, stop looking at the previews you know just go see the movie ron you know that kind of thing but i i'm i've even spoiled things for myself a time or two because i can't resist
1: i just want to thank you for coming on you're absolutely one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on here and i appreciate you taking some time to uh to come back on for a second time thank you so much
2: yeah, well it's my pleasure really can i ask you guys a question before we uh, wrap up here
1: absolutely
2: have you taken how long has it been since the last time the falcon and i were on here
1: Two years? Yeah,
2: two probably. Years? Three years, probably. something like that? Probably two years. Oh, no. Have, yeah, uh, I think two years. You, have any of you caught up on Spider-Girl in the
1: meantime? <laughs> God, he remembers that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Falco's going to ask me if if uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've read any more Spider-Girl since the last time. You I, know.
0: I actually, <laughs> I, I have. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I, I bought some trades. Yes. So I'm trying. Yeah, the to... whole
2: the whole amazing run was put together in trades.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I, I have some trades that I'd read. I don't know if I'm completely caught up, but I do know that I did I did buy a few trades and I did read those. Well, yeah, I
2: appreciate the effort. Uh, <laughs> I can tell I can tell DeFalco that his harassment of you was not in vain. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's a, it's a pleasure, guys. Anytime yeah. you're you're interested in hearing me uh, get long-winded and stupid. Uh, it, it's more than a pleasure to, to chat with you guys. Believe me.
1: Well, then I think we need to go ahead and pencil you in for Spider-Man next year when it yeah. comes out. Let's really make it long.
2: Fantastic. I will. I will make <laughs> like a point of going to see it. Um, there was one. Who was the? There was there was one guy that does like local cable access, and he was going to invite me on to talk about Man of Steel, I think. And I went to see it early because I thought I was going to get invited on to talk about it on this cable <laughs> access thing. And I sat through it, and he never called. Huh. And I was like, you know, <laughs> son of a bitch. Because I really uh, kind of felt like I would been through the wars after I got to the end of that movie. So, <laughs> Anyway, no, it's always a pleasure, guys. I really do appreciate your calling and uh, having any interest at all. And uh, I've kind of <laughs> – it's kind of a scary thing, to tell you the truth. I've been – the end of this year, I was invited to a lot of a lot of smaller shows, yeah. and I've been invited mm-hmm. to some bigger ones too. And well, like Baltimore, I was invited to because they wanted to give the Lifetime Achievement Award to Sal, yeah. and they had heard that like two years before, Sal showed up to take me to lunch. <laughs> so they kind of invite. I was the I was the Judas Goat
3: <laughs> to get
2: Sal to show up to to accept the Lifetime Achievement Award. But I, you know, the fact that I'm not doing anything that's currently on the racks. It's very odd to to be getting these kind of invitations, and I think I've actually entered that rarefied air of classic (laughs) illustrator or something, you know, the um, legendary status.
1: Well, I was about about to say, you can always go ahead and just take a, a, a page from Neil Adams and go ahead and start calling yourself the living legend Ron Friends.
2: I, I, Tom as, Tom DeFalco, as a joke, he he, he set up, uh, you know the old the old thing about Michael Jackson's the guy that originally came up with the King of Pop thing, and he made it stick. <laughs> yeah. Tom DeFalco has been trying to make the legendary Tom DeFalco stick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually I actually did a uh, a, a podcast interview with uh, uh, some Spider guys spider talk or something (laughs) and uh... really nice guys and i enjoyed i enjoyed the interview but they had also interviewed Defalco, and every time they said his name, he corrected them—the <laughs> legendary Tom Defalco. So this young guy that was interviewing me, every time he brought up Defalco's name, he said the legendary Tom Defalco. And like the third or fourth time, I laughed and I said, "Boy, does he owe you a check?" And he's—he's he's really trying to see if he can get it to stick, like the king of pop, you know. I mean, so, but, but I have—I've gotten a couple of flyers from some of the shows I've been at. Where, you know, they are starting to use disturbing terms like, you know, comic book legend, Ron Friends. And it's like, <laughs> I, that really obviously only comes with age and time, <laughs> apparently, you know. So I it, it's odd for me because people trying to make conversation, they, they're always, just like you guys did, they're always going to ask, you know, what are you working on now? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, it, so I, I don't really get it myself why I'm getting these invitations. But uh, well, you're
0: fun to talk to. Wow. Well, that's sure. very
2: sweet of you I'll to give say. You, that. <laughs> you know, you don't want you don't want me having a man crush on you, Adam, because no.
3: that could get uh, <laughs> I, listen,
2: you could talk to Chris Hemsworth about what so, that's like, you know what I'm saying? So
0: during the movie there's that scene where um he's like standing behind a basin and he's topless, he's not wearing a shirt. Right. And like he steps toward the window, and you can't really tell if he's naked or not. He like steps toward the window, and when we were watching it, I was like, "Oh man!" Like when like he like steps around the corner, he's wearing pants, and my wife just started laughing. She laughed so hard because was uh, just my, like, the,
2: the, "The friend of mine that was sitting next to me, she was like, oh, boy!'" <laughs> I mean, it's, fairly, it's amazing.
3: No, I'm it, fairly and, certain
1: course, my wife sucked all the air out of the room when that came on. There
3: you go. As
1: you. <laughs>
2: And, and then she all goes, there. "Damn!"
1: All all I heard was, "Damn!" There,
3: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But
2: as 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 a as a collective, guys, average guys, we mm. we have to take some comfort in the fact that he looked that good <laughs> for the five minutes that that scene was being shot. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, they they eat all the protein, and then because I saw Rush, he was terrific in Rush, yeah. but. That no. guy puts his body through hell because he, he's, he sucks down the protein and does one workout to get in shape for Thor. yeah. And then he basically like starves himself and does a different workout to lose that bulk so he's not built like that in all the in all the movies. You yeah.
1: Know? Well, and <laughs> so, then, I, uh, then I see something where he really did want to go topless and Joss Whedon had to talk about it. Like, if I look like that, <laughs> I, well, I, I would work in reasons. Yeah, exactly. But then I have my shirt uh, on.
2: Exactly. Just catch it on a doorknob. Look at that! But the other thing that's funny about it is that they keep covering his arms with that armor. It's like have some mercy on this poor guy. He killed himself to get into that kind of shape. (laughs) Let the bare arms hang out, you know. And Whedon was the first one to do that. I mean, God, did you see some of the cut on his arms in Thor two? Jeez. (laughs) So, I mean, he really does look like the character come to life. There's no doubt about that, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, thanks, Ron.
1: Thank you, Ron. I really appreciate it.
2: (laughs) It's good talking to you, Adam, Joel, both of you, and uh, you guys take care, okay? All right, thanks, Ron. Thanks, buddy.
3: Bye. Thanks. (laughs) Bye.